Hey, this is Keith Price, and I am so glad that you have become a part of the Keith Price's Curtain Call family. It is really great that you guys are enjoying it, and I really, really feel like I want to give you guys more and do more for you. And the only way that I can do more is if I can get a little bit of help from you. So what I would like to ask of you is that you check out, if you're listening to the podcast, to the Patreon page that I have started in which I'm asking that if you have an extra buck or two that you could throw over to the side once a month, I would be very appreciative. As time goes on and the more support that I can get and the more energy that I can create, behind this, it will give me the opportunity to reach more people. And the more people that love theater in the world makes the world a better place. So www.patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Keith Price Curtain Call. Help a brother out. Come on now. Help a brother out. Thanks a lot. You are listening to Keith Price's Curtain Call. Back. This is Keith Price for Keith Price's Curtain Call, and I am so excited because, again, <laughs> you know, I keep telling you all that some of the stuff that's happening in the theater scene does not necessarily all have to happen on the Broadway. <laughs> because that's, you know, I still get the emails, how can I get Hamilton tickets, Karen? And I'm like, I can't help you. I can't. I want to help you, but I can't. But the other thing is, is that it's really great because one of the, the beautiful parts about these off-Broadway shows is that there's an opportunity to have conversations about things that not necessarily will work on a commercial level necessarily on the big Broadway unless Mm -hmm. there's Mm -hmm. a lot of heat generated on this level. That's right. So we are here now with uh, Theater World Award winner. Oh, wow. I'm going to put that out there. How are you doing? (laughs) One of my, I love to call them, she is now officially on the Broadway Baby Mamas list. Oh. I have my Broadway Baby Mamas and my Broadway Baby Daddies. Thank you. I miss that ceremony. Uh, <laughs> you know, so I, I had a whole thing. Yeah. You were busy, I believe, I, doing I Luke Cage or something. Yeah. Because Karen Pittman, honey, I discovered Karen Pittman the very first time in a wonderful show, Pulitzer Prize winning show called Disgrace. Tony nominated. Tony nominated. That's right. And... Um, as I went back and started doing my little, like, I've, it's been so long since I've been in the microphone with the studio and everything with Karen. I had to go back and listen to some of the stuff that we talked about. And I laughed because <laughs> I was reminded that my entire reason for immediately falling in love with Karen Pittman was her entrance in the play Disgraced in this serious, for real though, I think it was a Chanel dress. Gucci. Gucci, yes. With the Manola Blahniks, some fierce, fierce cocoa butter lotion, coconut oil combo, combo. and calves for days. (laughs) So much that I really did not hear the first things her character said for like two minutes because I was like, who is Wow, this sister is fierce. Playbill search. Playbill search. Playbill search, honey. What's her name? What's her name? Who is she? Karen Pittman, honey. And I immediately then, I think I tweeted you that your 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 (laughs) that your calves like devastated me or something ridiculous. Did tweet me. And and you responded back, and I was like, oh, oh. So people do really pay attention, and then 
the friendship began. That's right. And so now in her third production mm-hmm. with Lincoln Center. That's right. Miss Karen Pittman is in my studio. Finally, after how long has this I been? Know, it's been too long. Girl. You know, you do shows and I've been doing uh, the TV mm-hmm. work. And they don't let you talk about it. They don't let you have any conversations about it. Nothing. Because uh, everything is a secret. But uh, in theater, we really have to throw it out there to, yeah. to get people to come in and see it. So. I just remember, you know, right now she's doing this brand new play, actually. And this is really cool because it's it's it seems for me, at least from just looking at your history, Karen, that you love to do a new piece. Absolutely. That's right. You love a new play. And this new play, Pipeline... Written by Dominique Morisot, who I need to get on the show because I got like several questions for this playwright. You, one of which you and I had the other day when right, I came right, to see right, you. Right. But right now, Karen is in this wonderful play where she is playing a school teacher who teaches in the the hood, as we'd like to say, That's right. and has a son who is having the good fortune of being able to go to a boarding school, at least as we say, that's a yeah. good fortune. Upstate. Upstate, away from the the craziness that is the hood. The hood. And he seems to run into a small little problem. His little little issue that goes on up there. By little we mean big. And by middle little we mean big. And it makes you question as the mother, Karen, makes you question your First of all, I think your mothering skills. Secondly, you know, how your personal, the character's personal life kind of has maybe interfered in the way that she was able to raise her child better. There's all of these other questions that, of course, put on you as the mother. Mm. And you walk through all of them, girl. Well, you know, the the premise of the play, Pipeline by Dominique Mariso, is that we are uh, shuttering our children, especially children of color Mm -hmm. from private and public schools straight uh, into the pipeline of incarceration uh, prison system here in the United States. And uh, what I love about Pipeline is that it is a story about the relationships Mm -hmm. that build up our uh, children in this country or um, uh, in the circumstances that get in the way of helping us keep them lifted up. Um, Children don't, uh, especially brown children, can't really walk around this world uh, with a big ego, running around doing uh, things. Whatever that, they want. Whatever they want. No, they can. I mean, we, we talk often in social uh, circumstances about the talk that you have mm. to have with your <laughs> your uh, brown children. And this mm-hmm. is also something that was in Disgraced, in the yeah. last scene of Disgraced, where the uncle had to tell mm-hmm. the Muslim American teen, hey, look, you need to be more careful out here. And uh, that's certainly part of the conversation that Naya is trying to have with Omari, Omari. in the play Pipeline. So, you know, it's a... It's, um, as you were saying, it is the kind of conversation that we can really bring up off-Broadway, maybe mm-hmm. not on the great white way. Well, yet. right, and certainly not yet. at this stage. Yet. Yeah, yet. Uh, but it is something that I think we are pushing towards uh, inclusion and diversity of conversations and stories and actors and writers on well, Broadway. Well, this, you know, the funny thing about this for me is is that there's, there's, a, there's a hinge point in the conversation of the character that I don't want to give away because I mm-hmm. think it's a really significant thing because it made me have like double think mm-hmm. in the moment mm-hmm. because, you know, up until that piece of information is kind of revealed mm-hmm. to the audience, mm-hmm. I felt a certain way for your character. Sympathetic, you mean. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then after that information, 
I had the doubt. Like, mm-hmm. okay, so how am I supposed to really ultimately feel? Only because I, I project for myself that I remember being an Amari mm-hmm. and being... You're a single... You're, you're the result of a single parent. Well, no, well, no, 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 no. Just, just the, the result of being, like, clearly one of those young black students that happens to have a little bit of aptitude mm. that gets noticed very early. Okay. And then you wind up kind of getting plucked from your environment. Chosen. And chosen. As it were. To go on to do something that we... we as a community think is that's just so much better. That's a better opportunity and a better thing for you to have happen. That's right. And then you watch you watch this kid have struggles with that. Mm-hmm. And there are places I, I know for me as you know of fifty. I'm fifty. I said it there. I'm fifty. Fifty <laughs> um, and fabulous. You know, hey, Keith Price. Hilaro. Um <laughs> but like having lived some of that experience of having, I remember, sure. you know, the the experience with he talks about dealing with this, the professor, and it didn't escalate to that place for me. Mm-hmm. But I had a similar situation in which I had a, a an acting teacher. This was an acting teacher mm-hmm. who I, I thought what they wanted us to do seemed a little on the racist tip, mm-hmm. and I had to wait it out. Like I had to wait because it was one of those group assignments where they do the the ten questions, and then everybody gets a different kind of reason why they're having this conversation with these same ten questions, mm-hmm. but everybody has to have a different type of conversation mm-hmm. in the ten. Mm-hmm. And I unfortunately was paired with, and I shouldn't say unfortunately, he was a very nice guy, but I got paired with this like surfer-looking dude. Oh, wow. And so... When it came down to everybody's assignments in terms of where they were going to be, it was drug dealer and, um, uh, you know, rocker dude. Oh, buyer. Buyer. Uh-huh. And I was like thinking to myself, well, first of all, any of the things that I may have done in my particular past, uh, I may have been a buyer <laughs> and the dude may have looked like him. So I don't know what stereotype she was trying to go for, but, you know, I had to check myself and wait. And I remember after that class, after everybody did their presentations and realizing that we were the only ones with the nefarious energy, I had to say something. And so I immediately, that's where my personal thing of taking what I was watching happen, bring it to me. And I was just like, ooh. You got it. Ooh. From the second you heard about it. Yes. Well, one of the things that uh, I think is also great about the Play Pipeline is that... um, Dominique Mariso, the the playwright, brings in the uh, two really important pieces of mm-hmm. American literature yep. uh, by two wonderful, very lauded uh, African American writers, uh, Gwendolyn Brooks mm-hmm. and Richard Wright. Uh, And, you know, you're talking about your 50 and fabulous, but, you know, we've been talking about the conversation about how challenging it is Mm -hmm. to be a young black man Mm -hmm. in this country for decades now. Decades, decades, Mm -hmm. decades. I mean, Richard Wright was talking about it. Gwendolyn Brooks is uh, We Real Cool, uh, the pool players at at the Golden Shovel, which is a story uh, that uh, part of the the lesson that Naya teaches in the play uh, is, is... a poem that's decades old, um, but it still applies to the uh, to what we are dealing with in the 21st century. So, this is a story that we're sort of trying to uh, shine a bright light on for the first time, I think. And I uh, have to applaud Lincoln Center for for talking about it and bringing it to their that. patrons, yeah. uh, who you know are are an elite group of uh, audiences who come and expect a very high caliber story. So uh, I'm glad that that I had the chance to participate in it. How much fun are you having doing this role right now? You know, it's 
it's not fun. I rarely have a job that's quote unquote fun. Um, But what is interesting about it is that I'll share this with you, uh, Keith, um, is that my mother died on Election Day 2016. And she, with her death, the last parent in the physical world Mm -hmm. um, uh, died. And she became part of memory and spirit like my father did. Mm -hmm. And um, in this play, in exploring the character of Naya, I have a deeply empathetic way into... Um, understanding what a parent goes through. I don't have the luxury of complaining about my parents in the world anymore. Mm -hmm. I can um, actually feel and understand things that they went through in a much uh, more um, uh, empathetic, sympathetic way. I just understand a lot more. And it's a real um, gift to be able to explore um, their spirit and their memory and... uh, what they gave me and the understanding of what parenting actually looks like now that they're gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so is it fun? Maybe not. But I do think that there is no other time in my life where I could explore a character like this and do it with as much um, uh, humanity, as much empathy. Uh, when we started collaborating on it, uh, the director, Liliana Blaine Cruz, and the playwright, uh, Dominique Mariso said, you know, we really need for you to uh, display all of Naya's humanity from the beginning. She is a mm-hmm. mother who starts out in crisis, and at the end of the play, she doesn't necessarily feel like she succeeded in any... I mean, she right. she starts in crisis, she ends in in crisis. And I thought, it's well, I got that. A little less crisis. A little less crisis. But it's still, still crisis. Not, things haven't... Things <laughs> haven't... You know, we can't tie it up in a bow and say things have right. worked out. Right. And I thought, well, I know that. Yeah. I know it. Wow. So, oh, wow. So, first of all, condolences to you and your family. Thank you. You know, I, because I, you. you know, one of the things that you and I have now certainly have in common mm-hmm. is the absence of both parents yeah. in our yeah. lives. Mm-hmm. And not a club we wanted to be in. Not necessarily. <laughs> not right now, I can tell you. I miss my mama. Necessar- I, you know what? And I'm, yeah. I've been having like lately a lot of pangs about my father. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting mm-hmm. because I love my mother too. Don't get me wrong. I love, 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 love my mother. But there was something that was kind of burgeoning towards the end of my father's life with he and I. And I have like that sense of lament of. Boy, if he would have been alive. If we could, yeah, yeah. If we could have done this. That day I did the so-and-so, I could just pick up the phone and tell him how ridiculous, you know. And you have those moments and, you know, I don't say they don't get super easier 10 years down the line. But it certainly becomes a more manageable emotion. Let me ask you what you thought about that scene in the play. There is a scene in the play Pipeline uh, between Omari and his estranged father, Mm. Xavier. And uh, they go Ooh. at it in a really wonderful way. Dominique Mariso brings it on this I, wonderful language. What did yeah, you? I. What did you think I about that? I felt really sad for Amari mm-hmm. because, you know, I realized that it's youth that's talking. That's right. You know, and that when, if he's lucky enough to get out of the situation that he finds himself in in this play, mm-hmm. that when he gets to a thirty. If he lives to make a 30, that conversation, he will realize how hurtful and how awful that conversation was. Sure. Although completely justified for feeling that because he's allowed to have his emotions. That's but right. I, I did. I, I, it, I, it was it saddened me a little bit only mm-hmm. because I recognize, you know, like 
you know, I thought of myself like, God forbid the guy walks out of the street, out of the hospital to go have a moment, a cigarette or something, and gets hit by a car. Mm. You know, and there it is that that was your last conversation that you That's had. That's another that play. You know, exactly. <laughs> but it but it pulled it together for you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I mean and but that's the thing I love about seeing shows like this because it gives you the opportunity to, to visit to visit these kinds of emotions that you you know, don't get me wrong because I love me a hello dolly. Yeah, oh yes. You oh, know what I'm Midler. saying? Oh my gosh. Shut up. She's fantastic. You know, but at the same time, there's another part of me that needs to be fed. If I'm going to, you know, if I'm going to open myself up for that experience, I want the experience to be as close to whatever it is that I can walk away with. Well, and that I absolutely you know? agree with that. It is about, again, I'm going back to this conversation of diversity and inclusion. It is about having stories like Hello, Dolly mm -hmm. and um, Pipeline, having stories like Dear Evan Hansen right. and Dollhouse uh, Part Two, Two or Sweat. Yeah. Um, uh, just being able to incorporate all different kinds of stories that reflect the fabric, the texture of and American decent, culture. Gross. Uh, it, uh, it was Oslo. All uh, of these shows. Yeah, I, I, I would like to see more, you know, diversity. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but I, I do think there has to be room for more of these stories to be told. And uh, hopefully we are moving towards that. I think we're inching. Well, we're it. we're certainly in a different place now than we were 10 years ago. I would agree with you about yeah. that. And, that's, and this is from somebody who's really been able to pay attention to the trends, as we say, yeah. of what's been going on in the theater over the last 10 years. At least for me, the things that I've noticed, generally speaking, is that there are more of these kinds of stories kind of pushing through the, the, the mix and being a part of what's going on, well, you know? And it's good because the contemporary audience needs to have some contemporary stories. You, and you brought up the that I worked on... Um, I make it a point, is what I want to say. I make it a point of working with playwrights of color, from mm -hmm. Ayad Akhtar to mm -hmm. Fernando Coppell... Yes, to King Liz. King Liz to uh, Dominique Mariso. I mean, I make it a point, and quite honestly, in a theater, I, it's an, it's an easier, I have an easier access to mm -hmm. discovering, uh, playwrights, um, and doing readings of their work and being early in the process of their development, especially, uh, female playwrights of color, mm -hmm. Corey Thomas, and Kirsten Greenidge, and, you know, um, a lot of, uh, writers that I, I love and enjoy and, and talk to and um, and I think it's very important for us to keep pushing each other forward. But the but the conversation around diversity and inclusion and uh, having all kinds of different conversations uh, on Broadway, off Broadway, in our culture, I think is uh, in our current political climate. Obviously, <laughs> it's even more important. Uh, than ever because we're, we're our, our ears are tuned to it like we are hi, we are hyper aware of uh, how that we're polarized but we need to have places where we can actually it's well, safe to talk it's Do you know safe what to I talk mean? but you know what's happening now and I and something that I've I've enjoyed watching although some of it I think has kind of fallen off the rails because it's just getting too insane yeah but we're having a really great period of reactionary art where we're seeing we're seeing people directly 
making their art about what's going on in this government, what's going on with our president. Yes. Like they're, and they're just like not even ashamed. Like, no. you know, Central Park had Donald Trump as Julius Caesar. Right, right. There's exactly. this other show now called um, Me the People. It's the Trump America musical where they're, they're doing like this musical parody thing of what Trump's America will look like. I mean, people are really making an effort to try to to jump in and have... It's like watching the art and the life kind of all collide together. Like we're seeing stuff happening now. You yes, know? right. Building the wall written three weeks now, you right. know, after the election. Like, and this piece feels like one of those pieces as well in yeah. terms of uh, like a reflection. Yeah, I would say that, you know, I've said this before, but in the specific, you find the universal. And I have to say in the audiences who have come uh, out of Lincoln Center, whether they are Asian mm-hmm. or Caucasian or African-American or Latina or Mexican, or you know, they do come to me, women, men, right. they come to me and say, I saw my relationship with my father in the relationship that Omari and Xavier, I saw mm-hmm. my mother, I've, I am Naya, I have experience with mm-hmm. Naya, so I know it's a story about an African-American mother dealing with something very specific, and I'm sympathetic to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I actually really aligned myself with your journey, and thank you so much for that. I remember um, one, um, you know, in the rules of engagement that uh, Dominique Marisa provides in, in our playbill, when uh, you'll come to see the play, if your audience comes to see the play, you'll see something called rules of engagement. And audiences are allowed to, mm, and oh yes, and <laughs> amen, and they're allowed to do that. Um, and I heard one uh, woman say, um, I never thought about it that way. I mm-hmm. never thought about it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that that's, I think, part of the great, um, gift that is theater. Yeah, that you can start to think a little bit differently, and hopefully, what what the audience will see when they come into Lincoln Center to see Pipeline. Yeah, I again, I like I said, it was it was a little. There were moments for me that were kind of like, ooh, like yes, yeah. it's like, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, that's ooh yeah, and then and then there's that part of you that feels like, is it just because I'm identifying as an African American yeah. or, or or am I identifying with the fact that I'm a human being and these are situations that we unfortunately find ourselves in because I thought about the character and I thought about what Omari does and I I asked myself in that moment would I have done the same thing mm, mm, mm. and I don't looking back now you know especially now that I know the other piece that was there I don't yeah. know if I would have done it no we were in a different time but we're in a different time we were in a different time and diversity and inclusion and coding of certain words means a different thing now in the 21st century after Trayvon Martin after Tamir Rice after Big Mike Michael Brown we're having very different conversations as people Mm -hmm. in this world after an African American president that's Mm -hmm. a different way of us looking at ourselves and the way that we speak about ourselves and the way that people speak to us like it's a very different conversation that we have the benefit of having, um, I will tell you that my parents grew up in in Jim Crow uh, yeah. South. When they went on their honeymoon uh, in Florida, they were asked to get out of the ocean because uh, they were contaminating the water, <laughs> and they got out. You know, it wasn't wow. like they had any. They got oh out because God. they knew. Th- yeah, ocean. exactly. Yeah, yeah. My oh mother my had God. to. My mother was. Um, Pregnant with my fifty-year-old uh, brother, that now he's fifty years old, but now he, you know, mm-hmm. uh, fifty years ago, she was not allowed to use the bathroom 
and so she had to urinate on the side of the road. This is this is how my parents grew up, and we are, are inching ourselves away from this this time. Mm-hmm. But um, with technology ha- that's allowing us to see how uh, brown people and black people are being treated in mm-hmm. this country, um, especially in the education system, the institutions that we have set up in this country. Um, the one at least that we're talking about in pipeline is the education system. We are starting to really have a reckoning. Like, what 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 are we doing with this? Mm-hmm. You know, and certainly with the with uh, the political climate, uh, the disappointment of of dealing with all the things that are coming down on us as a culture. We we are, we are paying closer attention in our art about what we're talking about. I love that. So for you now, I know that you are a mother, and you are mother of a young brown skinned child. That's right. Brown skin male. That's right. How, how do you cope with the reality of the fears that you know are out there? Mm. But at the same time, and this is what I think is also that kind of conflicting thing with Amari, that he's in a time where technically on paper, he shouldn't have to worry about the stuff that, let's say, 25, 30 years ago, you and I worried about. Mm-hmm. How do you find a way as a mom to balance that and how do you find a way as an artist to balance that because that's two different things you know i have a very different relationship with my son than naya has with omari but i will say one of the things that is similar is that my son is uh, aligned in a lot of ways um, with a big ego, he wants to say things. He wants to talk back. Mm-hmm. You know, boys don't listen, and that's one of the things that um, Dominique really she grabs <laughs> on and can really expresses it really well. I think one of the great parts about her writing is that she expresses the uh, heart and soul of not just the mother in the mm-hmm. play and the father and the teachers, but also um, the young people in the story. Yes. She has a, a strong sense of what their voice is and what they're about. And um, Who's that? The young girl that plays the girlfriend. Heather Velasquez. Isn't she fantastic? Ooh. She plays a character, Jasmine, in this play, Pipeline. She, her moments were fine. And there was a moment between the two of you that I was like, ooh. She's wonderful in this story. I was like, she's, she's a, that the character is very brave, yeah. I have to say, because yeah. of the way that she was speaking to you. And even yeah. though she was trying to be respectful, right. there were moments where I was like, ooh, she going to drop that person and just go right at her throat. Right, exactly. And it was, she was right. like, Well, what? you know, it's a great part about Heather's acting that she's really pulled this character off of the page. Mm-hmm. But it really is this wonderful writing of this playwright, Dominique yeah. Marisa, who I can't really say enough about. I mean, she's just so gifted. And, I love it. Um, she is our, our, you know, our our muse and our inspiration as we move through the process of, uh, after opening the show, of taking it even further out into the world uh, with Lincoln Center. So, mm, this is Karen. I know that your, your publicist is trying to, like, rush me. Don't be rushing me, okay? <laughs> this is a long conversation <laughs> that we have been waiting to have for at least two years, Mr. Man out there. So you just hold yourself together. He's doing a Bette Midler on Tony's <laughs> night. <laughs> Starting with me because, no, but, you know, the wonderful thing about you that I love is that it's those moments whenever I see you anywhere, I see you on it. If like I love when I accidentally catch you on a TV show or like how I intentionally was looking for you in the Americans Mm -hmm. because I did my seasons one through four um, burn through and um, my big question is, and see, this is for the folks of the Americans. 
why y'all like take my sister out with a bottle so ghetto style? <laughs> I was so mad because I knew she was going to have to die. <laughs> but I was like, they didn't even, she cared. Oh, was just, and I was like, damn. <laughs> they should, she didn't even, she didn't even fine. get to have a black sister fight down. Perfectly she fine. Just, it's perfectly <laughs> fine. The Russians. It's the Russians. It's the Russians. Funny. They don't care, honey. <laughs> They really don't care. Don't, and that's why no we're having love. so many problems right now in America. They don't have any Because the Russians do not play. I want to say congratulations to my good friend Allison Wright on yes. her Emmy nomination. Carrie yes. Russell and Matthew Reese on their Emmy nominations. Who was nomination just in, in, in um, Sweat. Sweat. Yeah, yeah. Well deserved. Because well I'm telling you, she... As Martha. I, that heartbreaking scene when she had to leave to get on that plane. Yes. And to go to Cuba and then go to Russia yeah. and just... So I was too involved. That's yeah, just wrong. I know, I know. <laughs> and then, then I sit down and do my marathon of Luke Cage. Yeah. And there you are, all over like episodes six through twelve That's or something true. going down. Yeah. Are you, is there more of this coming for you? Because I I was hoping that the Americans was gonna cut you some slack. Cut back as a ghost. They just cut you. That's all they did. <laughs> <laughs> They did not cut me any slack. They cut me with a vodka they bottle. Cut, um, you know, I because I'm doing the play pipeline. You know, mm-hmm. there I I understand they're working on Luke Cage right now. So I I honestly cannot tell you if I'm going to be working on Marvel's Luke Cage. It was a great season one. I really loved it. I enjoyed it. Was wonderful. It. Um, but I I you know, mountaintop for me is theater. And when really? uh, Dominique and Liliana Blaine Cruz and Lincoln Sitter came to me and said, uh, "Would you would you do this with us?" Uh, I, I I had to push everything away. This story is important. Yeah. This play is important. This playwright is important. And um, Lincoln Center is an artistic home for me, and I love working there. So, like, they just come to you and they say, "Hey, we got this play. How are you feeling?" You what know, you're doing? What I wish they is? would. Uh, I, I, you know, Kendrick Lamar plays before our play. He has a song called "Be Humble, mm-hmm. Sit Down, and Be Humble," and that is that is my life right now. I, I audition and work hard like every other actress in okay. New York City. There, you know, if you are a producer director looking for an African American actress in New York, you have the cream of the crop. Yes. I mean, there are some wonderful, wonderful actresses working here. And, and I feel um, so lucky to know so many that's of right, you. That's right. And watch so many of you turn it out. And it's a joy to see your friends doing Issa Davis and mm-hmm. uh, 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 made a new friend today, Linda Powell and Sharon Washington. Oh, yeah, I know Sharon. You love and, yeah, yeah. And there's so many Crazy others. Crazy Aunt Glow. She will always be Aunt Glow to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I just, yeah, she's, she's another one. All them credits and stuff. But Ed Glow, that's she. That was my first introduction to her, and and my friend Amira Van, who Mm -hmm. is on Underground, and Deidre Ziza, and Rebecca Naomi. I mean, just Kelly McCreary, who's now doing a play um, at Bay Street in Sag Harbor, uh, the Intimate Apparel. Oh, Uh, that's right. They're doing doing Lynn Nottage's play out there. Yeah. So it's just it's wonderful to see. All of the actresses that you know and love moving up and, uh, and doing so, things. yeah, so no, I, I, I certainly do, you know, there are times where I don't have to and I, and the collaborators that I've worked with before are mm-hmm. like, hey, do you, do you have any interest and in would you like to, um, but for the most part, I go in there and I, I, I try to do as well as the other actresses so, do. So then what's, what's, what's like the, like this is, you know, you're you're grounded right now in this peace pipeline at Lincoln Center. Mm-hmm. It's a new house. Yeah. Um, 
but for you, like, what is what's what's some of the dream roles that you want? Like, you know, of of things that what what would you love to see developed for you? Uh, it 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 really. Uh... It really is never a question about the story mm-hmm. for me at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. When I look at a story, I it's almost always, uh, who am I collaborating with? Who are right. the personalities in the room? What are we all shooting for? What's mm-hmm. our inspiration? Uh, so it, it, because relationships matter to me. And the chemistry in the room with a play or a TV show or a film or whatever, um, those things really decide whether or not the you move forward as an artist. The process is what pushes you forward, right. not actually the play or the right. role. Or it is, um, you know, working this, getting in and out of these skins of characters. That's right. And the people that you're working with, what you're able to build with them in the room and mm-hmm. in the audience, is a direct reflection of the process. Direct reflection. Um, the chemistry of our conversation is based upon who we are and what we're bringing into the room. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Um, that's all over my life, right? I, I don't do anything unless I know um, the process is strong. And uh, I never have a doubt about the quality, the caliber of art and work that's going to happen at Lincoln Center. Mm-hmm. I really do think in American theater, they are at the top they do in the this country. Stuff. I, I absolutely believe that to be true. And Andre Bishop and um, Evan Cabinet at, at LCT3. And I, I really love working there. And so um, it, it, it doesn't matter to me if I'm no, no, let me say I'm sweeping the floor because I don't want to take a job when I'm sweeping the floor. <laughs> no. But I, it does. It doesn't matter to me how big or small the part is entirely. It really does matter who's on the other end on. of yeah, who I'm working with. It really, really does at this point. That's great, though. I mean, because that you know, I was I was having this conversation with um, my producer Chad, who you met, yeah, and we were having this thing about you know, as you get older, especially for me. I have less time to deal with people that make doing things difficult. That's right. Just I just don't have time for that. Yes. Like I don't want to take it on. Yeah. If I see it coming, I immediately will just like put up the blocks That's and be right. like, you know what? This isn't going to be worth my energy. Right, right. Yeah. It's like not my time, but my energy. Yeah, the, because the, if I have to spend it all day fighting with people and carrying on and right. do, Where's the creativity? Where's the art? Where's the joy? Where's the fun? Where's the? Uh, it, there's no nobility in a kind of it. There, it, I, I, you know, um, the young folks call it giving no fucks, but <laughs> but the old folks call it suffering fools gladly. Like yeah. I don't suffer fools gladly either. Mm-mm. I have to tell you, it's really really hard. Um, that's why I loved working on Luke Cage. I love mm-hmm. working on. Um, there is a movie coming out on August fourth that I'm doing called Detroit. Worked with um, Catherine yes. Bigelow and I've been, John Boyega. I just saw the posters. There's the posters up in my. They're my all train over the now. place. They're all over the place, and that's very oh. exciting. And, well, does yeah. that mean I get another a visit with Karen Pittman? Of course, you can. Theater World you Award can, winning. You can Karen call me Pittman. later tonight. I mean, <laughs> it's anyway. so funny. I felt like I had to tell your publicist, like, listen, she and I know. Other, don't worry. <laughs> there won't be any odd questions, except for maybe perhaps worried. you know, except for her, like Karen and I both had the same ire. 
the day that Miss Oprah Winfrey decided she was going to talk about she was doing Weight Watchers too, and um, I would we were not pleased with that because did she, we have ire? We had when well, we had a moment on the line. We were like, oh uh, sure, she joining the, the party now and stealing all the focus when the rest of us have still been here counting points for how long now? That's true. She just well, rolled she up actually, in here. She actually owns the company. Well, that's now. Serious, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> she didn't steal none. <laughs> I'm just saying though. We are. She acted uh, like it's all due. We are. She eat bread and lost twenty three pounds. It's like girl. We're a lifetime. <laughs> Lifetime on the Weight Watchers. And I have no shame about it. I love it. I think it's fantastic. Fighting my twizzles that I got right outside right now. You hear me? It's four points each. <laughs> it might not be true. It might be one point. Maybe two, actually. <laughs> Just talking about the whole pack. Anyway, yeah. so, but yes, yeah, so Karen Pittman. Right now in New York City, come to the Lincoln Center Theater at the Mitzi E. Newhouse Theater. Come see her in this brand new play, Dominique Morisot. Mariso. Mariso. And we'll be there until August 27th. Pipeline. Okay. See that? Yeah. So that means you have plenty of time if you're making your trips to come to New York City. This is your time not only to come and see some new work, new work. I keep trying to tell you all that this is the place that you're going to find it. It's like you're not going to. Everything on Broadway is not going to be new, and everything that you see may have been done before someplace else and rolled into Broadway. So this is your opportunity. Like I always say, that this is a great opportunity to see where the art starts, because this now is starting its journey, and we don't know where this will end up. That's right. And, you know, again, as I saw that piece, it's sort of like I already can see some fabulous regional theaters that I know right off the top of my head that will be like lapping that up, honey. Yeah, I also encourage our audiences to – Dominique also writes on this wonderful show, Shameless, and has, she's a producer on that show. And, yeah, I know it's a wonderful show. And, you know, it, it, so many of our TV writers nowadays – Start as uh, playwrights. They I'm, work I'm just, in the theater. You I'm know? holding it together because you know that's my show. Is Shameless your show? That is my show. Well, then that's I why you probably like Pipeline so much because it has that same rhythm. It has that same <gasps> structure. So, so that means that she then knows Shanola Hampton, and you and Shanola Hampton. I don't know Shanola. Shanola Hampton is on that show. She plays V. Okay. And I met her a few oh, years ago. Yes, yes. Okay. And I said to her, I had this idea. She needed. She she wanted to do a stage play, and she mentioned the stage. She mentioned wanting to do the play, a duo play, and I immediately put the two of you in my head together to do this play oh. that I saw years and years and years and years ago called Sisters oh. by Marsha Washington, Marsha okay. James from. She came out of Atlanta, and I saw a production when they had the, the play was on tour many, many years ago in Austin. And mm-hmm, the two of you playing, I could just see it now. Okay. See it now. All right. I'm a, you know what I'm going to do? This is, this is how the social media is crazy. I'm going to, like, connect you and her together. She's going to be like, I barely remember him, but I'm going to put a picture with her and uh. me together. And then us <laughs> together. And I'm going to tell her and tell you that the two of you, when you... Look on your schedules because, you know, these are very busy actresses. You can't, you know, you don't slow down for Karen Pittman, honey. You're going to get left behind trying to figure out what she got going on next. <laughs> However, this play would be really fun. This would be a fun, just a fun exercise in watching y'all do something. Interesting. Fun. Yeah. Interesting. And, you know, there's moments it's, it gets a little political, you know, the issues that we have with amongst our sisters and sisters of a particular hue versus others. And it's, it's really very cute. Interesting. It's, it's fun, interesting conversational piece that I think, I don't know if Marsha, Marsha Jackson, that's her name, if she's still doing. Shameless. I don't know if she's still right now. Shinola, I know, is still doing Shameless. Okay, okay. Though. 
But Dominique, Dominique, now I got to find you. <laughs> For it's real, not going to be real. hard. It's not going to be hard. Her play, Detroit Six Seven. She's doing something at Signature Theater, Paradise Blue, this fall. So she's all over New York with City. With Ruben Santiago Hudson. She was love. at the Williamtown Theater Festival last year. I mean, she's all over. Okay. If you haven't heard of her, you will be hearing a lot about her well, uh, very, ha- very soon. I need to get her in the studio for the rest of the folks that are listening so that you Great. can find out who she is now. Wonderful. And be fierce, you know, five, ten years when she's getting her Pulitzer and be like, oh, yeah, I remember hearing you on Keith Hudson. You know, it could be five, five or Ten months, you never know. That's true. <laughs> that is true, honey. Oh, Miss Karen. Thank you, Keith. This is God. always fun. Gosh, so again, Karen Pittman, Lincoln Center Theater, it's in Mitzi Newhouse in Pipeline, Dominique Morisot Moriso. That's right. You got it. New new play. Amongst many others that she has, and Shameless on TV, Dominique Girl, you know, I'm going to stalk you now. This is too much. <laughs> and he will. And I will. I'll find you. <laughs> I'll find you, girl. Um, but at the same time, again, come come to New York City. Come see Miss Karen. Go back and look at Luke Cage. Catch her in those last few episodes. Watch her get shanked with a bottle in the, <laughs> the Americans. God. <laughs> Bad. After she wore me out dramatically in the first season, and then they took <laughs> out the next season, I, she brought her back, and I was ready for a scandal, and they just killed her. Oh, oh well, you know that's how it goes, right? Yeah. But again, anytime you get to see Karen Pittman, it's always a joy. So thank you so much thank for being you, here with me, Keith. and we are Christ. gonna be back. Boom. Voila. For more podcasts, go to Keith Price's Curtain Call on iTunes, SoundCloud, MixCloud, and Google Play.